Welcome to the DNVGL Talks Energy podcast series. Electrification, rise of renewables and new technologies supported by more data and IT systems are transforming the power system. Join us each week as we discuss these changes with guests from around the industry. As today's guest in our podcast series, I'd like to welcome Steve Sawyer, Secretary General of the Global Wind Energy Council, GBEC, and Chairman of the FOWIN Consortium, to join us to discuss the very current issue of facilitating offshore wind in India and the opportunities that exist for foreign players to contribute to India's offshore wind industry. Welcome, Steve. Thanks for having me, Matthias. Steve, before we start to talk about today's topic, facilitating offshore wind in India, which the acronym FOWIND actually stands for, could you tell us a bit about GWAC as well as the FOWIND consortium? Okay, well, very quickly then, the Global Wind Energy Council is a trade association representing uh, all of the major national and regional associations uh, in the wind energy sector, both onshore and offshore as well as, of course, the main companies that are active, usually in more than two continents. Uh, and our role is both to represent the sector with intergovernmental institutions like the International Energy Agency and IRENA, the IPCC, the climate negotiations, of course, but most importantly, to open up new markets. And uh, we've been very much involved in China, India, Brazil, uh, South Africa, Mexico, now India offshore, and also Argentina, but it's the India offshore part, which is the genesis of the FOWIND consortium, uh, facilitating offshore wind in India, which is a joint project between ourselves. You, of course, at DNVGL are a key player, and also two Indian institutes, the uh, Center for Science, Technology, and Policy, CSTEP, based in Bangalore, and WISE, uh, the World Institute for Sustainable Energy in Pune, and our other government partner, two government partners, uh, the Gujarat Power Corporation, uh, and the National Institute for Wind Energy, based in Chennai. Right. Thanks, Steve. Now, now let's right jump into today's topic, facilitating offshore wind in India, and let us set the scene for a start. So India is obviously a country with substantial and growing demand of electricity. It has agreed to the recent Paris COP21 agreement, which demands a global target of keeping warming between 2 and 1.5 Celsius. And it is facing substantial issues with air pollution in its megacities like New Delhi or Mumbai. Since Modi's election in May 2014, we see a substantial push for renewables, both solar and wind. To date, India is already number five in the world with regards to installed wind energy, which today is about 25 gigawatt. And that is just the start if we look at GWAC's assumption that India's potential for wind power development reaches up to 400 gigawatt and more if the potential of offshore wind and repowering are fully exploited. Now, facilitating offshore wind in India, India is a very huge country, 3.3 million square kilometers of land. Why offshore wind? Well, first of all, I'd say India has just moved up into fourth place, having uh, surpassed Spain. So it's only behind the United States, China, and Germany in the uh, global uh, market stakes. Why offshore? Well, um, of course, there is a great deal of uh, undeveloped or unexploited potential onshore in India, and we would expect that to continue to develop. Offshore wind is a is a difficult technology. It's uh, taken a lot longer than anybody expected to mature, but we do see it maturing now uh, in Europe, and the costs coming down to be actually in the realm of being competitive, not immediately, but by the end of this decade. And in that context, I think India can benefit greatly 
because of the three reasons, basically. One is that the most difficult constraint, or one of the most difficult constraints to development um, of onshore wind India is the complicated land tenure system. Then there are, of course, the grid issues, which we'll come to in a moment. Secondly is because, of course, you have a much stronger resource offshore, um, and it's close to big load centers on both of the two coasts. I mean, that's why the FOWIN project is focused on the coast of Gujarat and Tamil Nadu, where you have large load centers, um, and you don't have some of the transmission issues that you have uh, onshore. Right. So, um, as we know from the experience in, in Europe, and partly China, Steve, offshore wind is a highly complex and very risky area. What would you think are the main challenges for India to be successful in that industry? Well, I think the main challenges for India is the same as the main challenges that were that have been faced by China uh, and by Europe. As I get older, the notion that you learn from somebody else's mistakes, I'm not entirely 100% sure that you actually do learn from anyone else's mistakes. Uh, you have to make them yourself. But at the same time, if you've observed and been being told about these uh, mistakes and their consequences and other people have found solutions, then maybe you can shortcut the time that it takes you to learn from your own mistakes. But I think India, because of cost reasons, will be constrained to be very careful about how it approaches the sector. And the main challenges, of course, are building up a domestic inf in infrastructure, both in terms of ports uh, and in terms of the grid and in terms of uh, supply chain, which can ensure that the investment that does come in, both domestically and from overseas, can be to the maximum benefit to the Indian economy, not only for the electricity that it brings, but in terms of the investment in infrastructure and, and local industry. So managing that process in any country is complex. It's uh, more complex in India than anywhere else, partly because everything here is more complex than it is anywhere else due to the nature, the size and the scale of the country, but also because of the, the uneasy division of labor between the central government and the state governments, which needs to be sorted out. The other challenge, of course, is the um, electricity sector as a whole needs very substantial investment in uh, transmission, in grid infrastructure, and also in terms of the marketization of the system, the electricity system, which has begun, but it's got a long way to go before it becomes a uh, viable commercial entity. Okay, if we look at the role of Fowin uh, in, in this scenario, what do you think, how will Fowin be able to pave the way here and help the industry? Yeah, we're not going to solve all the problems associated <laughs> with the in India's uh, electricity sector, but we can help with some of them by pointing out uh, the difficult politically but blindingly obvious from a uh, technical and engineering point of view issues that need to be overcome in relation to transmission and distribution infrastructure and also hopefully take the lessons learned primarily from the European sector and apply them in India in ways that India can maximize its benefit from the investment with a minimum, I'm sure there will be some mistakes and certainly engineering learning going on, but to maximize the benefit from the investment in the industry in this country, as well as um, developing as much of a local supply chain as possible. Looks like a really big task ahead. What would you think is the time horizon? When will we see offshore in, in India happening? 
Well, I think we'll see the first projects by the end of the decade. Uh, whether they'll be in the water and spinning by the end of the decade remains to be seen, but that they will be conceived, developed, and invested in by then. Um, and assuming things go well with a minimum of the kind of muss and fuss that we talked about, that by during the first half of the next decade, say after 2020, and but before 2025, we'll see the industry start to accelerate. That's my hope. That might be a little bit too optimistic, but I think that can be done, and that's one of the reasons why we've invested um, in this process and why, why we hope to bring it forward so that that can be the case. Right. You talked a bit earlier about a lot of opportunities, I would think, for the local industry. Um, the Foen project is finally funded by the European Union. Uh, what do you think about um, opportunities for foreign players, for example, from Europe or China? Well, certainly from the European side, uh, most of the manufacturers of purpose-built offshore machines, of those companies with experience in building the foundations, etc. I think that's where, in the initial stages, most of the material for the early projects are going to have to be sourced from. How quickly that translates into investment by those companies or by local companies into local plant and manufacturing Uh, ultimately, those decisions will be made to some extent by the by the market, but also by government regulation. So I would say initially, of course, there are substantial opportunities for European companies. Um, how long they will last is at least partly a matter of government policy and how quickly government uh, local industry can come up and be competitive. For Chinese companies, yeah, potentially, but I would think that in the first instance, the opportunities for them are in China. Once the offshore develop the sector there is really developed, then they can start moving overseas. Thank you very much, Steve, for your valuable insights. As a member of the 4-1 Consortium, I can say that we are really excited to be part of this, encouraging development, which finally contributes to a safer, smarter and greener energy future in India and has a lot of potential to develop a substantial new industry. It's indeed a spate to watch, and I wish ourselves, the 4-1 Consortium, GWAC, DNVGL and our Indian partners, WISE, CSTEP, GPCL and NIWA, as well as the potential stakeholders inside and outside India, that the pace with which renewables is developing continues finally to the benefit of the Indian economy and as well the Indian society. Thank you very much. Thank you, Matthias. Thank you for listening to this DNVGL Talks Energy podcast. To hear more podcasts in the series, please visit dnvgl.com slash talksenergy.